My name's Leanne Tui. My kids go to Wingate. You said you were going to the gym. School gym's closed. Why were you going to the gym? Big Mike, why were you going to the gym? Because it's, it's warm. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Don't you dare lie to me. That look many times. She's about to get her way. Come on. Come on. SJ make room. Get inside. Come on. A man found an eagle's egg and put it in a nest of a barnyard hen. The eagle hatched with the brood of chicks and grew up with them. All of his life, the eagle did what the barnyard chicks did, thinking he was a barnyard chicken. He scratched the earth for worms and insects. He clucked and he cackled, and he would thrash his wings and fly a few feet in the air. Years passed, and the, the eagle grew very old. One day he saw a magnificent bird above him in the air. It glided in graceful majesty among the powerful wind currents with a scarcely beat of its strong golden wings. As we look at Ephesians, uh, we're looking at a book that is very unique in its nature. And uh, every book in the Bible is obviously a special book, and it's important. But Ephesians has its importance in that it is the book that talks about us. And if you were to kind of look at the themes of uh, Ephesians as we go through this, and, and Pastor Tryon will be kind of leapfrogging through these, you'll see a very definite pattern that is not necessarily true of any other book. The book was a circular book, which means that even though it was, it's titled Ephesians, it was never really directed to particularly them. It didn't address certain people in the church, unlike Paul's other letters where he would actually bring, that, bring those names out. He addresses more of general church, meaning a circular letter, and it had a purpose that would apply to anyone in the, who was a believer, even today, just as much applicable today as it was in the first century. It's a book about doctrine, but it's also a book about duty. And it is a really, really, really neat book. It is one of the books that if you, if you were going to kind of look at Romans and Ephesians and look at the two, it's called the miniature doctrine of God. And some people have named it that. I wouldn't call it necessarily miniature because it's not really small. As we look at chapter one, and that's all we're going to get to, to do today, um, just recognize that we're doing an aerial view. <laughs> you, can't do, you can't do more than that with your, when you're trying to cover a chapter with each, uh, with each method, message. But it is a valuable book as we look to what did God say about the church. Ephesians uh, chapter 1 went through to Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to, the, to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And if you think that's a long chapter, imagine the fact that this whole chapter is almost one sentence. And if you've ever read Paul, you're like, wow, comma and comma. And there's been some periods placed in here, but in the original Greek, it's... From 3 to 14, there isn't even a breath. You just, that's it. Boom, that's where it is. And as you read this, you realize it is so rich. And how he can write without punctuating the way we would punctuate is amazing. And God's, uh, his, his ability to, to use the Holy Spirit to inspire truth. Well, one of the things that we, we look at as we look at Ephesians 1 is at the beginning of the book. And so I... Just as an introduction to it, again, Ephesians is a letter written by Paul. The city of Ephesus was one of his primary cities that he stayed in. Second missionary journey, he, he visited there. The third, he stayed there for three full years, two of which he preached in the, in the hall of Tyrannus. He spent more time with this church than any other church by far. Missionary journey just stalled right in Ephesus. And it was his farewell address to this city that we read in the latter part of Acts. And we just realized, wow, he loved these people so much as he was heartbroken to leave them, but he knew he had to get back to Jerusalem and his mission would be completed. As we look at this, we realize that this is a book about truth. And one of the neat things about truth is, is it's, 
it's pretty set. It's either black or it's white. I was given this book. It's a super good book. And I'm just going to let you look at the title of it. It says, What If It's True? And I was given to it. It was, a, it was dark. It was a, a, a dark night. And one of my friends dropped off and said, Hey, you're going to really love this book. And boy, have I loved this book. And it is a, a book about what if it's true. And the title itself begs the issue of what is exactly talking, was he talking about when it says true? I remember it was the summer it was a summer school summer in, in Bozeman. And uh, Bozeman kind of shuts down in the summer because it's made up of basically, it used to be made up of half students. And so it was a real quiet summer. I remember going to the Christian bookstore. I'd been a Christian for just about a year and a half to two years. I went there and I was in the, the, the Christian bookstore and I was in, sitting and reading and just connecting things, and I was obviously supposed to be studying school stuff, but it was, I think it was a Friday afternoon, I can't remember, and I remember the very moment when it just, all of a sudden, the, just the light came on, like, wow. I was a Christian already, but in the back of my mind, I had questions about, is this really true? Is this this thing that my, my family brought me up in, and, you know, and, and this whole idea of Christianity, and you know, the Easter bunny turned out to be something different than promised, and so did Santa Claus. And I really didn't know if Jesus was, was much different. And could I really trust that? So sitting in the middle of the apologetic section in a Christian bookstore in Bozeman, all of a sudden just connecting all the dots like, oh, this book is true. And if this is true, if he, if he went to the cross and he, that's true, which was very clear to me at that point in time, the Holy Spirit working through writings of other people, whatever, made it so very true to me, truer than it ever had been before, then if, if that's true and he's able to raise him from the dead, is he able to, the next question in my mind was, is he able to preserve his book and the answer to that was absolutely, no question about it. And if that's true, then everything written in his book is true. And if that's true, how does that affect my life? What if it's all true? So what? What's the change that would happen in my life? The reality hit, it, hit me in a, in a different way than it had ever hit me before. And I realized, wow, this is going to change everything about my life. It will change everything because if what is written here is true, then everything that I was thinking about in my life has to change because this becomes the centrally most important thing that I could ever, ever be about and be invested in. And so as we look at Ephesians 1, I want you to realize that Paul has written this beautiful book. And the first three chapters all are about our blessings in Christ our riches in Christ, what's true in the heavenly realms that when you got up this morning, you have, no, you, you have no idea about those things because you're not thinking about those. But they're nonetheless true. Just because you're not aware of them, they're nonetheless true. And the latter part of the book is all about just because of those ch chapters 1, 2, and 3 are the blessings of Christ and who we are in Christ and what, is that, what difference does that make? Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are how we are to act that out. So how is this going to affect my life? So if this is true, then what does that mean for me and how I live? So as we look through this, just realize that there is a question of, is this true that Paul answers? And it's an important question because we have to have an understanding of what 
is truth before we can act on it. Doctrine always precedes duty. If in Paul, and Paul gives us the motivation for our living. A lot of people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because, man, that's going to cramp my lifestyle because I got this list of don'ts that I can't do. There's, here's some things I can't do. It's going to limit me. It's going to take away some of my time and my freedom. And then I'm going to have you know, certain friends and, and I can't have certain things in my life. And, and realize they, they think of it as a, a restrictive type of thing. But knowing doctrine actually frees us. And so it's doctrine before duty because Paul gives us the motivation for living first. And that motivation is not hit at all. And now since that's true, now what are you going to do with your life? And that kind of is how Ephesians rolls itself out as we see the blessings in Christ. And then we also see the duty. How does that live out in a family? How does that live out when we're raising kids or when we're married? And Ephesians in the latter part of the the book addresses those. Paul, an apostle of Christ, who's an apostle? A sent one. He was by the will of God to God's holy people. Who are, what's what's the definition of holy? What's holy? Set apart. Who said that? Bill. Set apart. Good kid. Eh, lighting. Set apart. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very strange way in that day and age to start out. Paul writes it this way because it's so important. The words are charis and shalom, and those words are to be addressed to the people who are in Christ. Why? Because our relationship with God is based on what? Grace and the peace that we have with him. We have, there's no enmity with us. He, he, he has peace with us. And so he explains that it's very, very much our relationship is based on those things. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's all about the body of Christ, which would be the bride of Christ, but the focus is on the body of Christ. Colossians, the head of the body. So Colossians and Ephesians, 75 of 127 verses are, are almost identically the same between Ephesians and Colossians. And you're wondering, what's going on with that? Well, Paul sat down and wrote them at the very same time, the, the very same time period. And what he wrote to the Ephesians, what he wrote in Ephesians was similar to Colossians, but the emphasis was different. Colossians was the headship of Christ, his superiority, much like Hebrews was. But to Ephesians, it was the body life, how we're to function, how you and I are, are supposed to function. And because of that, uh, when he writes this body life, we, it's a very unique book. One of the things that differentiates us from the nation of Israel is that that the Bible never talks about Israel as a body. Never. With family and some of the other words are transferable between the church and Israel, but body is never used in it for Israel. We're unique. The body, when Christ opened up his family by, by raising, being raised from the dead, that body life began. And in Ephesians talks mostly about the body of Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So he starts off with praise, blessing, blessing God. And what it says is that we have been blessed in, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What does that mean? It means this, that if you are in Christ, meaning that you have a relationship with Christ, Christ. And that saving relationship that you have been walking with him in is a relationship that he has actually made you a co-heir with Christ. Every blessing that Christ will have, 
we will also have in the sense that we are, we are children of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And a lot of times you just think, oh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Oh, that is so, so minimizing. It's like, yeah, uh, you just realize that with coming, coming to Christ, all of those heavenly blessings, every heavenly blessing comes to us. And we minimize that oftentimes because we don't understand that the spiritual blessings are things that we can't necessarily see. When people say, I've been so blessed, usually they're talking about what? Finances or a job or or their spouse or their kids. And it's more of a physical thing. But if we could see the spiritual blessing, every one of us would say, oh, I have been so blessed because we can't see it. We don't see that. Eye is not seen nor ear heard. We, have, we can't understand what we really have in Christ. And Paul wants to make sure, boy, you need to understand who you are in Christ before you can act like who you are. And if you have every spiritual blessing in Christ, that's magnificent. He goes on, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And he starts out right immediately. He says, for he chose us in Christ, in him. And in Christ is the theme of of Ephesians. And so he chose us. And this is a real difficult doctrine for people to kind of just, I remember just thinking, I'm just, I just can't get this whole thing, that God actually chose me. And to realize that he, he did this because he loved me. It says, in love he predestined us. Why did he, why did he predestine you? Because he loved you that much. And you realize, oh, wow. And the, the, so God has so much love for us that he actually predestined us to have a relationship with him and that it was in, in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace. It actually gives him praise to have his children and to have that relationship with him. And it is a freely, freely given thing. And that is where grace or charis is, is from. Well, in Christ, God forgives you. I want you to think back to a time when you did something, and I know you did, okay? Because <laughs> we're all going to raise our hand. When you did something that you were so ashamed of, first of all, that you hope no one else would ever find out if they didn't, but secondly, that you just kept dwelling on the fact that you had done that thing and it had hurt someone else and it was not possible to put all of the pieces back together again, all the feathers back in the pillow, etc. And it was, undo- it was something either against God or against another person. And the guilt of that just weighed you down. And maybe, maybe that's still true. Maybe it's, you're still kind of dragging this thing or these things around and you realize the guilt of your actions. And as we recognize the book of Ephesians is all about who we recognize ourselves to be in Christ, not, not how we perceive ourselves. That's not really that important, actually. It's how God perceives ourselves because that's the accurate view of how we should see ourselves too. And so if we see ourselves as this person who did this one thing, or maybe it's multiple things, and you just think, boy, those are just unbelievable. I can't believe I did that. If I could just go back, I would change that, realizing that that, that happened and it, it, and it hurt someone else or it hurt the Lord. It says this, 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And you realize, wow, we have this lavish, this grace is lavished on us. We have forgiveness. If you are in Christ, not one of your sins will, will you pay for. Because they have already been what? Paid for in full, actually. And if you were to just realize that, that there, there, there's this perspective in the Old Testament, there's a scape, the scapegoat. And so the priest would, would have two goats. One he would he'd sacrifice. The other one he'd put his hand on the head and he would, he would take the sins or the guilt of the people and he'd put them on this, this goat's head. And, and then that goat he would send off as the scapegoat, never to be around again. Why? as a symbol of how we are to recognize that even though, yes, we need to learn from our sin and we don't want to repeat things over and over again because God will deal with us in that way to correct us and to, as his kids, that, that sin is as far away as it could possibly be. In Psalm, in Psalm 103, 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. And we saw how far, how, how big the universe is. But if you just think of the earth, now just think of this. What if he would have wrote this? As far as the south is from the north, he has removed our transgressions from us. How many, anybody know the, the diameter of the, the earth? I'm blanking right now. I think the radius is 4,000, but we'll just go with 4,000 until someone Googles it and then corrects me and realize. So the diameter is probably, so that's eight. So that's about 24,000 around the whole circumference of the earth, right? So the far as north is from the south is how far? Half the earth, right? How far is the east from the west? Different, isn't it? And then you realize he didn't write it north and south because that's finite. East and west is infinite. The words matter. They really do matter when you look at it. You go, wow, okay, God really meant that for a good reason. And this idea of redemption, which means to be bought, there's three words, is egerezzo and the ex egerezzo. Egerezzo means to buy. Ex egerezzo means to buy out of. And lutro means to buy out of and set free. So in that slave market at that time, there were about 6,000 slaves. And so you could buy a slave, egerezzo, could just buy a slave. And he would, or she would work for you, whatever. Oh, and and that's, just, that's just how you would do it. Maybe buy it from a friend or whatever. And then there's this buying out of that. And you're like, you're just kind of picking the one that you want because you don't necessarily know that slave. And then there is a buying out of and setting free. So meaning that you almost like Philemon, as, he, as we read the book, realize there's a buying out of, there is a purpose for this person's life beyond just being a slave. Lutro is used to describe the redemption that God has given us in Ephesians. That we were bought out of what? That guilt that you have on your shoulders? That you, I just can't shake that one. You were bought out of that. You were bought out of the slavery to sin because you were a slave to sin before Christ because that's the only thing that you could do. But he redeemed us. He bought us out of, and then he set us free. And you realize in Revelation 13, it says, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Isn't that amazing? The words matter, don't they? Verbal plenary. It means every word means something. And it's not something you just take a few here or there. And the order matters. And what it's saying here is, is that he was slain from how far back? From the creation of the world. And you go, wow, you mean that that was 
that Christ was slain for me way back then? Yeah, because he knew the guilt and the, and the weight that we would drag around. We have forgiveness in Christ. And amazing, amazingly enough, he has revealed his plan to us in this way. He made, known to a, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. It was his good pleasure to let us know his will, which he purposed, purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And so when uh, Friday morning Bible study, we know one of the themes, themes was we know in the end we win. We know the whole thing. Well, we don't know the whole thing, but we know the highlights. In the end, guess what? We're going to be with Christ, and he's going to be enthroned in heaven, and we're going to be his people, and we're going to worship him. We know his, and it was, it was a thrill for God to actually lay out his plan. Almost like when you've, you, have kids and you have kids, and you put the packages underneath the tree, and you're excited for them to open them up. And you, you just can't wait until they open that package up. And you're just like, I can't wait until he opens that one. That one was the perfect gift. That's how God feels about us as we look forward to our future. It is going to be an amazing thing. And so he made known to us what was, what was, what was sort of veiled in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, as Christ came. He revealed those things. Oh, Wow, you mean we get eternity with Christ? What an amazing thing. In him, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Romans 12 talks about that as well, his perfect, pleasing perfect will. In order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Amazing. That we were also chosen. So, Here's what happened. He went out and he chose you. You were walking in the side of the street. You didn't have anything. You had rags on. You had no spiritual riches whatsoever. And you were just looking for a warm spiritual place to be. And God pulled over and he grabbed you and put you in his car. He literally chose you from the beginnings of what? Creation of the earth. And you think to yourself, wow, he did that to redeem us, Lutro, to buy out of and then set free to live for him. And that's the beauty of this. Like, and if this is all true, if it's true, and if this whole thing is true, the, 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 the then after that becomes very clear that God wants us to live for him, that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And why would we want to live for him? that last statement, for the praise of his glory. Why did he buy us out of and set us free? Well, if we're free and then we serve him, that gives him what? Gives him glory. And we, it's for the praise of his glory. It's like, oh, you came on Sunday morning and you devoted this much time because of what? Because of me? That is to the praise of his glory. You lived your life the way you lived it throughout your whole life being very, very dedicated to the Lord for the praise of his glory, to, to give him the adoration. The Holy Spirit seals you. This is so cool. So we see the Father chooses us. I want you. The Son saves us from the creation of the earth. And then we have the Holy... 
How can anyone not believe that there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? You just read through a feet. You could read through lots of books, but you just take somebody, somebody, if someone denies the doctrine of the Trinity, which is called a cult, if they belong to something that denies that, you just take them through Ephesians 1, and you go, boom, boom, boom. How are you going to answer those questions? But look at the Holy Spirit's job. It is so amazing. So amazing. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. What's that? the gospel of your salvation. What is that message? It's that guilt that you have on your shoulders is not meant to be carried by you because you cannot pay for your own sin. And as you keep trying to do that and you try to work it out any, any way, any kind of contribution, you are actually just kind of belittling, belittling what Christ did from the beginnings of the creation of the earth, that he would be the lamb slain before the beginning of all that. And you realize, oh, the Holy Spirit has this, this job in doing that. That as we hear the message of the gospel, or you're sitting in a bookstore, or you're, you're reading something, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit makes it very clear to you that this is true. And all of a sudden you go, wow, how did I get that? And you're like, you didn't know that, but you had a little help. Actually quite a bit of help. It's called the Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the, re, the promised Holy Spirit. Promised because it had been promised way back. And Jesus promised it when he was sitting with his disciples in the upper room. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be going away. And they're all upset. He's like, but I'm going to send someone just like me. And he's going to be, he's going to be better than me in some ways because he's going to be everywhere. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You keep hearing that, to the praise of his glory. Why? And the Holy Spirit seals us. And so the idea of sealing here is this idea of, of kind of making it permanent. And you realize that there's, there, was a, there was always a ring that the king would use, and he would seal things with wax, and it was by the authority of the king. Here, this is sealed. And so as we, as we become a follower of Christ, we are brought in by the Holy Spirit. And just remember, before you're a, uh, uh, before you're a Christian, there was only one function of the Holy Spirit. It was to convict you of your sin and need for God. And you were just walking along the side of the road, and you're like, I'm cold, and I've messed up my life. And then after he has convicted you and made you realize that you are not going to do this on your own and you cannot win God's, God's approval on your own. He re at the point of time when we, when we believe, many different things happen and the Holy Spirit instigates them. And they are that he regenerates us. He indwells us, becomes part of us. He baptizes us into the body of Christ and he actually seals us. And being sealed is part of the final thing that seals us with Christ. And so before, Christ, it's before, before coming to Christ, it's that conviction of the Holy Spirit. But once we, we are in the process of receiving Christ, we are regenerated brand new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you're a new creation. Wow. And then we're indwelled right here, indwelled with the Spirit. And then we're baptized into his body. And Ephesians, again, body life. And then we are, we are sealed never to ever be taken out of it. And this is, the, this is the neatest part about the Holy Spirit is that you, people say, boy, I don't know, you, I think you can lose your salvation. We're not going to get into a long discussion here, but if he seals you, and if he predestined you, and if he chose you, I think he can hold you. And this is, this is the sealing of the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. Wow. God gets glory from that. For this reason, 
ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And when you, when you hear about someone who has come to Christ and maybe someone who tells you, oh, so-and-so came to Christ, there's this sense of joy and just like, wow, God. I, I, you know, maybe, I, maybe you saw that coming or maybe you didn't see that coming, but ever since he had heard about their faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So first he says, these are all the riches in Christ up through verse 12, uh, 12 13, 14. And then he says, as he prays for the, these believers in, in, in the Ephesian letter, and it, it, it would be to us in first century, uh, for, as well as the first century, is that he prays that they would come to know him in a deeper way. And sometimes we have these points where we go, wow, God, I just get you. You're just that much bigger. As Pastor Tri was showing us last week, and we had that video how, God, how big God was, and you thought, well, that's done. Nope, that's not done. Oh, that's not done. And you just realize God reveals himself more and more and more. And that's what it's talking about, is that he's praying that they would come to know him better. And whether it's something that you read or someone shares with you, or just as you spend your quiet time with him, he just reveals that to you. Boy, knowing your wealth in Christ is essential to walking in Christ. If, if, you, if you didn't, let's just say this. What if someone put, let's pick a big number, because some of you can think big too. Let's just say someone secretly put $10 million into your bank account. You didn't even know it. It's your great uncle, who knows, just a benevolent person. Put $10 million in your bank account. And it was a bank account that you didn't use very much. It was one of those junk ones that you don't want people to kind of get a hold of because then they could really take you for a ride. And, and so you didn't check your statements because it was one of those things you had to look up on the internet, you know, okay, got code, account, all that stuff, the hassle. And you never knew you had 10 million bucks. What would be the effect of that? What would be the result of that? You would live like what? You'd live like you have credit card debt, is what it would live like. You would live like you'd probably do right now. You, you would live in a, in a poverty state because what? You don't realize how rich you are. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Oh, and we just don't realize how rich we are spiritually. And so we, we act like we're not. And because we don't believe the right things, we don't act the right way or the right things Well, this old eagle grew old, and even as he watched this bird up above him, the old eagle looked up in awe. Who's that, he asked? That's the eagle. That's the king of the birds, said his neighbor. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We're chickens. So the eagle lived and died a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. If you're a Christian and you don't live differently after today and after what you've learned in the accumulation of reading God's word, because if it's true, then you are richer than anyone you know. 
richer than anyone you know. Because it's not all about digits and things like that. It's about what God predestined from the beginning out of his love for us. And we are his, we we actually get inherited into his family as he drops his inheritance in our lap, spiritual inheritance, which is much more important. And his incomparably great power for us who believe the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Remember when the veil was ripped? As you're reading, you're going, wow, the veil was ripped. This big, thick, like three-inch veil was ripped and top, just, just completely ripped apart. And you realize when he was resurrected, the rocks and there was earthquakes and all these things were happening. The power of his resurrection was God just taking, this is my son, and I'm accepting this payment for sin. And realize that the mighty power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. We actually know the person who created this whole world. Think of that video, and you think of how, how big the earth is, and you think of how the, how the universe is this, many, this big, and you go out, and you go out, and you go out, and God did what to create that? How long did it take him to create it? Instantaneously. Thank you. He spoke it into creation. And then he, he did this magnificent work like an artist uh, during the six days that he was creating different things. But the, it's amazing that he would have that kind of power. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We have all the riches of Christ. You are a rich person if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ. We're going to watch a a video. Wait, we're not going to do that because we're going to go. Why did he save us? We're going to go two more. Why did he save us? Look at my watch down one. We're good. Why did he save us? He loves us. He loves us from the very beginning. He loved us. And you're like, why would you love me? I know me. Why would you love me? I mean, you almost think of, you know, in the, in the book of, uh, books of the Bible, you think of this book that was about this wayward wife. And he kept pursuing his wayward wife. And you're thinking, why doesn't he just get rid of him? But God said, I want you to pursue, pursue her because this is a picture of how I pursue you. I love you with an, this just unconditional love, even though you don't deserve it. He chose us out of his love. The son saved us. And the Holy Spirit sealed us. God was in the business of redeeming Lutro, setting you free out of bondage because he loved us and for the praise of his glory as he puts us in his family. Let's watch a little video here at the end. And this video is just going to say there's captions. Not all the captions are endorsed by me, but we're just going to hang in there, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to take what was there. Leanne and I, we, well, we'd like to become your legal guardians. What's that mean? What it means is, is that we want to know if you would like to become part of this family. (laughs) Kind of thought I already was. (laughs) 
That's the one you wanted, isn't it? <laughs> Here. Here you go. Go ahead. Take it for a ride. Go on. Well, Leanne and I, we... Let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have chosen us. And thank you that um, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit on us. Thank you that we have been given all the riches, all the riches of Christ that we didn't deserve any of it. It's by charis, it's by your grace, but that you did that for us and that we really don't even necessarily recognize who we really are. And at times we think of ourselves as the person who's guilty dragging things around. When you see that we are your, your kids, you have adopted us. You've brought us into your family, not, not just to sit, but to serve you and to bring glory to your name that we would bring you glory to your name by the way that we live because we realize who we are and our identity, that we have 10 million spiritual blessings in the bank account because of your son, Christ, your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for what he's done for us, that we might understand that if this is all true, and it is, if everything you've written is true, we are to be, we are to be so thankful, so graciously thankful of what we've been given. And we thank you for that. Thank you that as we uh, come together to serve you and to, to even worship you this morning, that we are to, to be the praise of your glory, that we are to bring that out. And as we sing this, this song, that we would do it in a way that brings you praise and glory, that we would recognize that we are the redeemed, not just redeemed uh, out of something, but out of something to be free and free to serve you. Thank you for these things. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. We just humbly sit underneath it and just look in awe at what you have planned for us, a future that is so beyond some kind of a black truck or some other thing that we might even idolize, but something that is so rich that we can't even imagine it. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 